and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your Warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, the one, the only, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have two amazing guests, co-hosts. The first is all, comes all the way from the depths of Kimura, that is specifically the Kimura Slave and Torture Centers, that is Danny McDevitt from Alaska. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me, Pablo. And then finally, the Archon himself needs no introduction. It's been on multiple episodes of the podcast. Skari. Thanks for having me yet again. I'm surprised you're not sick of me yet. Plus, everyone's going to be sick of me soon, because Dark Eldar are everywhere. And then I crawl out of the pit of despair that I call home. <laughs> to, to be fair, Skari has been playing Dark Eldar since before they were good. So he's not a Dark Eldar hipster. He's been doing this a long time. Dark Eldar I, OG. Yeah, OG, like Dark Eldar, like from when they were Dark Eldar. So all of you haters can go buy another Space Marine Lieutenant. <laughs> and of course, that is we. That brings us to the uh, today's topic for the episode, Dark Eldar. That's right. We're going to talk about the Jukari's almost historic performance this weekend uh they they did surprisingly well the last time we saw win ratios this high coming from an army was when iron hands barely came into the scene back at the end of eighth edition uh and also the dreaded castellan list also in eighth edition too so this they, they're giving us good record-breaking win-loss ratios we haven't seen an army this dominant yet in ninth edition so we're going to be asking the question answering the questions are they really that big of a deal what can you do to beat them? And what exactly makes the Dark Eldar kin so powerful on the tabletop? But before we answer those questions, first, this episode was brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, your one-stop shop for all tabletop goodies, secondhand stuff, painting stuff, content, the Frontline Gaming Network, all that good stuff. Also, we just released a new ITC terrain set, the Research Outpost set. It is personally my favorite terrain set. If you're a TO and you're looking for a good, versatile terrain set that goes on almost any frontline gaming mat scene, get the Research Outpost set. Essentially, it, it's just a Research Outpost. So it's just a bunch of bunkers kind of like dug into the ground. And it looks good on literally everything because all of the landscapes can have a research outpost at some point, right? Like deserts, no lava swamps, jungles, like uh, even like ruins. And it's, it's a really, really, really good versatile terrain set. It's also really cheap and very easy to build and paint. So check that out. If not, you can go to the Patreon and give, give to the podcast that way, or, you know, just if something that's free, hit that like button, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Ring the notification bell if you're on YouTube. That also helps out the podcast, and it's completely 100% free. All right. Main topic. We're going to jump right into Dark Eldar. First question that I think everyone wants answered right away is, why are we talking about Dark Eldar? What, what, is, what is going on right now? Because I'm sure some people haven't even had a chance to play in a 40k event yet and play against any factions, let alone these new Dark Eldar. Um, and now there's talks online of, of people nerfing them or wanting them to get nerfed and of their dominant performance this weekend and in past weekends. So first, let's talk about what happened. 
Dark Eldar this weekend. There were uh, nine GT level events that were recorded into 40kstats.com, which, by the way, I don't think they're up on 40kstats.com yet, but Peter's definitely aware of them. He's put in all the numbers. He just needs to update the website. Peter, hurry up. But Dark Eldar had a really good performance this weekend. They were so good, in fact, that they had a 75% win ratio against everything but the mirror match. 73% with the mirror match. But when you take, when you take out the mirror match, which is basically the rest of the field, it is 75% win ratio, which is insane that's in any game for balance purposes that is not what you want now we are working with a limited a pool of data in that we haven't opened up fully as a globe or as a world yet uh, so there are places that aren't having tournaments yet so we don't know who who we don't know who could do what, who maybe has a list that counters Dark Eldar. We don't have the full innovation that we had back when Iron Hands dominated the meta. So, right off the bat, I think that we as a community should all just take a collective breath and kind of just keep our proverbial fingers on the pulse of Dark Eldar dominance um, and maybe just take a step back before you start spamming GW uh, to fix things. And that's just because we don't have the full data set yet. Now, having said that, they look very strong. Uh, they look like they have a lot of really powerful units. Dark Eldar in, are, in, in my opinion, one of the best spots they've ever been in. And they actually had a... They were in a really good spot at the beginning of 8th edition, too, which is saying something. They're even better than their 8th edition counterparts. I would say that this might be the best Dark Eldar codex of all time uh, that GW's put out. But we have we have Scar for that, who I, I know has an opinion on that. And I, I feel like... I feel like this is overall still good. We also, another caveat, we don't have all the codexes released yet. So we don't know what is around the corner. Um, and in my opinion, I think the bigger thing we should be worried about as a community is less a powerful codex kind of putting up this top result and more of is this power creep going to continue? Uh, because we have seen a power creep level, uh, nine, a 7th edition power creep level as opposed to 8th edition, where the power creep wasn't actually as bad, with the exception of Space Marines who came in and completely blew the doors off everything. We had at one point a golden age of 8th edition where there wasn't a whole lot of power creep codexes were released really fast, and they were all relatively similar. So, uh, I think I think this is a trend now, and that's a little concerning for me, but <clears throat> I'll let you guys talk about it in the comments. Danny and Skari, first thoughts on these Dark Eldar uh, and their performance this weekend? Go ahead, Danny. Oh, sure. Let's see here. So, uh, it's pretty impressive. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of first place finishes. Um, uh, we're seeing uh, them go undefeated. It was like a huge number of Drukari lists went like 4-0 up into the last round. So, they were really, really hammering home their advantage there of having a new book that, very, that, that few people have played against. So... I don't know. It's kind of overwhelming, like especially if you look at it from the perspective of that they're like similar to Iron Hands levels. Um, so it'll be kind of be interesting to see exactly where all of this goes as time goes on and people have a chance to kind of adapt their armies to like this new meta that is uh, apparently heavily involved in this in the slave trade. Well, I think number one, it's about rotten time that everybody's fearing the Dark Eldar. Just saying right now to everybody out there, just uh, yeah, you better take it. And secondly, it's very cool to see like the Dark Eldar doing so well. And it can feel very overwhelming. I think there's a combination of factors. 
And one of the main factors being, well, not only is the book super efficient, the units are really cheap, you can kind of build to like anything you really want, which already makes it like a very, very strong like book. It's just nobody has really ever had to tech for Dark Eldar for the last like five years, <laughs> really. Or if they did, they were teching against like grotesques and talos, which are very similar to Space Marines in a lot of ways in terms of you need like to be able to kill tough, durable units, which then meant that, you know, at the end of the day, you're, um, you know, you, you, like right now, all the, the, the stuff people have put in their list to tech against armies tends to be to kill space rings or to kill equivalents. And, you know, they're not putting in like cheap screens or like point efficient units. And they're just kind of like loading up with like plasma guns or whatever. So it's like a lack of, units that can counter the Dark Eldar meta. So people going in with their list that they've been practicing or testing, you know, in a completely different format, and then they're playing against something that has like, you know, toughest three, you know, witches that run in and murder everything they touch. And they're like and then I then they have to, you know, put a, a two hundred point unit in to kill a hundred point unit. And then they and then they are losing on the trade matchup, right? So it's very much like playing sisters, but like very efficient sisters of battle in the trade war. And that's one of the things that makes sisters so good, right, Scary? Like, is that they that they trade super well, but Dark Eldar are even more efficient at trading than them, which is scary. Oh, 100%, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the reasons. Like right now, you know, I, like we saw that in this list in this week, and yeah, a lot of the times, you know. To be honest, I went through all of the events that that where Dark Eldar did really well and stuff like that. And there was one event where there was like four Dark Eldar in the top ten or something like that, which seemed to be a little bit of a skewed, <laughs> like res like a skewed sample size. But in most of the situations, like even though Dark Eldar were at the top, like the top ten, the top fifteen were still extremely varied. And there was still a lot of different style of lists that, that I saw up there, right? Which tells me, from a competitive perspective, that this meta is still the healthiest that we've ever seen. You know, yes, the Dark Eldar, should they potentially, like, get rebalanced or, I don't know, get some sort of, like, FAQ to help people, like, deal with them? Sure, I, I agree with that. Like, 75% win rate is, you know, a little, a little obscene. Should we really, like just jump the gun and do it like right away no no we've got a couple other codexes that are supposed to come out like remember the dark eldar book was supposed to be coming out almost on par with like admeg right so who knows maybe there's like some very specific stuff in the admeg book that is designed to directly counter dark eldar right and that is already one of the hardest matchups for dark eldar if in like in a going second scenario in a lot of cases you know, that is funny that you mentioned Admech there, because I know this is the Dark Eldar episode. However, Admech also had some really strong performances as well this past weekend, and they don't have their codex yet. So maybe, so we don't know exactly why. Uh, obviously, Admech are a solid army. They've got some really great stuff. They've had the Cerberus Raiders. They, basically, they've been either pushing or breaking through into the top tables uh, since, since right before the beginning of 9th edition when they kind of got all those updates. So uh, we saw kind of resurgence of them, um, but we don't know if that's because that they are the counter to Dark Eldar or if they are just experiencing a, a renaissance because people finally 
have the time to paint their their Cerberus Raiders or whatever. Uh, but that is a really interesting point in that, yeah, the codexes are coming out. They, they are coming out very close to each other, uh, relatively relative to other ninth edition codexes, and the, they do match up well with Dark Eldar. Uh, I don't think that um, I did see a couple games uh, of Admech versus Dark Eldar online, and they are definitely aren't the like the counter to Dark Eldar. The Dark Eldar players definitely have some play against Admech, so it's not it's not really like a straight like I'm gonna beat you. It's more of like I've got a slight edge over you, but if you outplay me, I'll still definitely lose. Uh, kind of situation, which I think is actually a little more awesome as long as other factions can go in there and start doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, I just I just wanted to point that out about Admech. They they also look really good. There were also a lot of players playing Admech mm-hmm. this yep. uh, uh, this weekend. Like they, they there was Admech all over, and it was nice to see. But it's one of the things like as a Dark Elder player who has played against Admech, yeah, like of course we've got like we can stop Admech from scoring primary points, right? Which is I think one of the biggest things that Dark Elder do well. And it's one of the things that Dark Eldar did well before the new Codex. You know, it was one of the, the reasons I was seeing results with the Dark Eldar was the fact that I could stop someone from scoring primary points, right? And that allowed me as a player to, like, win the game. But I didn't, I wasn't able to kill much as a Dark Eldar player. And I wasn't able to... You know, uh, so I didn't have much left at the end of the game. Now it's like Dark Eldar are still as good as they were at taking the objectives. However, the new codex has allowed them to physically kill things, which then means that the opponent has less of an easy time, like coming back to kill the Dark Eldar stuff, right? So all in all, you know, Admech have like a the perfect weapons to deal with Dark Eldar. They have lots of stubber shots and lots of like strength six or strength seven shots, which is like the perfect strength and potentially damage to deal with like Dark Eldar Raiders and things like that. And I think that's that's something that shouldn't be underestimated. For sure. And, you know, that's something that a lot, like you mentioned previously, Scary, like a lot of people have been kind of building and teching their armies to take on these like super elite infantry armies like that are space marines um, or yeah, that's pretty effective against Necrons and uh, things like Death Guard and things with damage mitigation have come much more to the forefront. Uh, things with like a minus one to damage taken or something like that, which means that people are like, well, an auto cannon? I don't want that in my list anymore. I'm not bringing those. But those kinds of weapons are super effective against Drukhari. So you might see more of those on the table. I think that's probably like not a bad squad to take is just a high volume of like Strength seven, one or two, like strength seven, two damage or more shooting. I think is a is just a really great unit, uh, even been, if the AP isn't great. Yeah, like I I tell, and this is something I've been telling people uh, a lot recently is the best weapon against Dark Eldar is literally a chainsword and a ball pistol. <laughs> like it's yeah. just cheap volume, number of attacks is like a terrifying for me as a Dark Eldar player, <laughs> like absolutely terrifying. And it's something that I that I feel, you know, like people have been spending all these points on, you know, like Vanguard veterans with lightning claws and storm shields and all this stuff. And I'm like, if those Vanguard veterans just had like a bolt pistol and a chainsword, they'd be like way more terrifying to me right now. 
and they'd be cheaper, so you could take more of them. <laughs> so, so I think that there's going to be a shift in the meta when people start like taking units that are more efficient and can just deal with, like toughness three bodies, and then we're going to really start seeing like people give Dark Eldar a run for their money when it comes to like face to face combat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think I think I'm glad you brought that up, Gary, because I do feel like Dark Eldar did hit the meta in a kind of a spot when everyone wasn't quite prepared for them. So I think there's definitely counterplay there, just inherently because you know the average toughness of Dark Eldar is like four. That's including their vehicles, right? And there's there's counterplay like it's not like we're not dealing with like um uh this informidable unkillable army i think that if you're going to have op armies an army that that is more like dark eldar in that it can be killed and and the models are very killable i think that's ultimately healthier than than like an unkillable like death star style army so yeah those are all really good points now um let's talk about these lists so you alluded to this a little earlier scary and um i just want to get your take on this out of the lists, you saw there was a variety of lists this past weekend that uh, that you saw. What were some of the um, kind of overall uh, list styles or archetypes from Dark Elder that you saw? Like, if you could pick, like, two or three lists that just represent what Dark Eldar brings to the table for people to kind of break down. Uh, because, obviously, we can go over some of the high-class units, but... Uh, if there are multiple Dark Eldar builds, um, I think that bodes well not only for the uh, the faction, but also for the people listening who are maybe concerned that there is there is just only one Dark Eldar build and that GW nerfs it, Dark Eldar are dead. Well, I think A, there's like way, a lot of good stuff in the Dark Eldar book, first and foremost. Like I find myself building lists and kind of wishing I had more points because I run out of points very, very quickly. So the build that you're seeing right now, or there are some very specific elements to what you're seeing um, in the current Dark Eldar like lists. Now, will these change over time? Hundred percent. Why? Because the 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 codex has has the flexibility to switch and change. I think one of the main things you're seeing competitively right now is the use of like specific detachments. Namely the patrol detachments, so you're running two or three patrols. A lot of times it's triple patrol detachments. And then you're running um, each patrol, like one of them is the Dark Technomonts patrol. More often than not, in a competitive list, you are going to see a Dark Technomonts patrol. Now for anybody who doesn't know what this does, it's a coven patrol, or a coven obsession, like a chapter trait, where you get to give ranged weapons you can overcharge them a little bit like plasma where they get plus one damage but they also get plus one to wounds now the caveat here is that if you roll a one to hit the unit that's doing the shooting takes mortal wounds now there's a way to bypass this with a weapon called liquefier which is a flamer essentially and this means that there is no to hit roll so essentially what you're seeing Dark Eldar players do with this specific detachment in competitive play is running, you know, three units of racks, which are like little like toughness four, you know, bodies, with two flamers in each five 
strong squad. They're like 60 points, you get 5 wounds, but you get 2d6 flamer shots that are strength 4, 12 inch range, AP2, which is already quite good in the current like state of the game. And you can overcharge them to be 2 damage and plus 1 to wound. Now, because they're flamers, they don't roll to hit, therefore they are currently not going to be taking any damage when they shoot. Which is really good. It makes them very efficient, very killy. They can kill planes and flyers and marines and tanks. And they are literally like a weapon to solve all your issues in competitive play, which is very, very strong. So you're seeing like a detachment with like those three of those little units, potentially sometimes more. Then you're seeing some sort of cabal detachment, normally to get either Vect and a bunch of raiders that can re-roll hit rolls, so they're very efficient, like anti-tank dark lances, because uh, they get a hit, uh, like a basically like a, you know, like the old um, space spring master artisans or whatever, which is just like a re-roll to hit, but on a one-shot weapon, you're going to be using it a lot. Uh, does the Cabal of the Blackheart, or a redeployment with uh, Cabal of the Poison Tongue, so you can redeploy the raiders if you don't go first, or you know take advantage of your opponent's mistakes in deployment. And thirdly, you're seeing Cult of Strife as a third detachment, which are witch cults. And these take advantage of the uh, Book of Rust, which is uh, a supplementary like set of rules where you get like eight different stratagems that affect the witch cult, and you get access to some really cool relics and really cool warlord traits that sort of elevate the witch cult units to bordering the obscene for like very low point, like command point investment. I think that's probably one of the strongest parts of the competitive uh, use of the book, is the fact that those witch cult units out of Cult of Strife are absolutely bonkers now you combine all those things with very very cheap hqs that can do a lot of damage like succubuses or archons that have um, access to some great fight last stuff in the form of incubi and like uh warlord trait with an archon and all of a sudden you have an army that can do that can do shooting very very efficiently that is very very fast so it can move no matter what the deployment is no matter where the objectives are, the train is, it can move around the train, into the train, over the train, because a lot of the stuff flies. Uh, they can get into close combat with highly efficient close combat units that can trap you in combat so you can't shoot them, you know, like with the witches. And then you have, um, like, versatility with ranged combat, which is, you know, the Cabalite stuff or the Lances. The Trueborn for hitting on twos regardless of modifiers. So it's like a trifecta. You have that that, you know, rush up and get in someone's face element to pin them in the zone so they don't score points. You have the control elements that can, like, take board control or be in different parts of the table. And then you have the support elements. And that trifecta within the, the, the in ninth edition is extremely efficient at playing the game. And Dark Elder just do all three of those things very, very well right now. Yeah, they're, the everything you just mentioned is like, Ah, uh, they're all so good. Um, why don't we why don't we break down some of the? Uh, I want to kind of rewind back a little bit to the cheap HQ choices you were talking about. Um, now there's obviously the witch, um, which is if you haven't heard the witch who, who has, I'm sorry, succubus. Yeah, is, a succubus is a type of witch, right? Like I'm not. 
Well, she's a witch. She is she's the HQ witch. So yes. you know, um, for a for a very um, uh, bargain sixty points, get a co- close combat character that can go toe to toe with like any unit in the game in close combat, <laughs> which is which is hard to believe, but it's a very efficient, very killy unit. Yeah, it's not very tough though, right? Like. She's I think that's where, yeah, and like four she's involved, got five wounds, but only a six up invul save, unless four she's up you know, got powerful all pain. the time, all the time. Yeah, the four, four up invul is for yeah. her. Oh, is she yeah. four up all the time? I thought yeah, it was she's just, just a uh, four up all the time. Um, okay. Yeah, bad. she normally witches have a six up against anything that's not a melee attack, yep. right? But in this case, she just has a four up all the time. Yeah. So the fact is, the thing is, what takes her up to eleven is that. You get some really crazy um so you get some really crazy combos with the warlord traits and the relics mm-hmm. right so the warlord traits and the relics for her like you can make a, a, a you can make a succubus that is like a fit for every occasion you need something to go and deal with hordes you can make a succubus that deals with hordes you need something that can go and kill like monsters like i had uh, i love doing precision blows which when she rolls a six to hit, the damage of her weapon turns into mortal wounds. So you need something that can go into like something that has a good toughness or a good invulnerable save and just do mortal wounds. Fantastic. You need something that can go and like kill a character. Uh, awesome. So you know it's just that versatility alone in that unit is, is like quite quite crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then and so obviously we spent some time on the succubus, but. As I was actually shoutcasting this weekend and also looking at some of these Dark Elder lists, I realized there's a lot of really good HQ choices. It's not just the it's not just about the succubus. Trezar is amazing. The homunculuses, specifically with like the racks and stuff, those are really good. Um I think I saw like an incubi. And that's as far as I uh, basically it, it came down to I saw a variety of HQ choices, all with like relics and warlord traits that I had no idea what they did. But whenever they did something on the tabletop, they looked good. Except 100%. for Drezar. I know what he does. Drezar will close combat. And that's the thing about the... the You can really make them very efficient at what they do. And they're like a little toolkit that you can kind of add into your list, depending on what you need your list to do. So it's like when you had like Space Rings were first released in 8th edition, and you were like, I have no idea what to plan for because everything is really, really good. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of felt in the sense that you couldn't really tech against it because you could be fighting an army that had, you know, six talons or whatever in one end or, like, six of the different planes, three and three. And then on the other, you could have three repulsor executioners. And then on the other, you could have, you know, 15 uh, double-shooting aggressors. You know what I mean? Like, you just never knew what you were going to run into. And even though that's not necessarily the case, it seems like competitively Dark Eldar players have kind of um, gravitated to a specific like triple patrol format and kind of tech for what they've put into each patrol. It's just not easy to deal with, even though you know what's already in it. Well, and, you know, there's a couple of other things about the Trouble Patrol that makes it super powerful. Obviously, I mean, Dark Eldar transports being able to pick like an obsession and then transport you know, a different type of unit, whether it be like them having a Cabal obsession and then transporting like Coven units or or something like that really lets you mix and match that to maximum efficiency. Plus, 
if you do do the triple patrol right now, you know, a lot of TOs have ruled that giving you four, uh, you know, two extra command points. So you start with 14. So it's, which is really downplayed kind of the real space Raiders detachment, which is feels like the more like the, the, the way that GW is trying to push you, but they did give you a bonus for, for multiple patrols. So I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting kind of thing to look at. Definitely people have gone for the, tri- the triple patrol route over the single massive like battalioners or or brigade of dark eldar that oh, you can potentially take otherwise yeah you know and, and that and a lot of it is is down to that ability to get the two extra command points you're starting with 14 command points and then not necessarily having to make three patrols but doing like two patrols and getting that bonus and stuff like that like it yep. really makes like <laughs> it really does change like how you can make your lists and whatnot. You can get really sort of like greedy with like what you put in your lists and stuff, you know? Yeah, sure. Or maybe you want to do double one thing, double one thing patrol, right? Like you want to do two, two patrols of dark technomancers or something like that. Like that's absolutely something you can do as well. Yeah. And I think uh, that versatility is something that's just hard for people to deal with. Right. When you come to like in, in when you're in like a competitive sense, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, did we? Did we, we haven't talked about the Reaver jet bikes and Hellions yet, have we? No, no, they're no. part of it as well. You know, <laughs> they're, they're witch cult. They're just witch cult, right? So a lot of people right. have been using a lot of Hellions. I haven't seen as many Reaver jet bikes as I've seen Hellions, but I like both. To cut you off real quick, the reason why we haven't seen any Reaver jet bikes is because. Essentially, most of the tournaments this weekend ruled that Reaver Jet Bikes uh, should be 20 points a model instead of 10 points a model. Which I think is the right call. And if you want them to be 10 points, then... Why? You already have a fantastic (laughs) codex. What... what, What yeah. are you trying to achieve with 10 yeah ten points two that that's five points a wound that's um for for anyways uh yeah um hellions hellions and uh, so hellions kind of replaced what the role of reaver jet bikes but I was actually shocked by how good Re- hellions perform uh you you know they were fast they could advance and charge uh with the the reroll wound strat I want to say the wound modification yep. strat they got the they had the ability to just kill anything. Like Corvus Black Stars is what I saw them kill, but they 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 are powerful. They could trade up, you know, even with the two wounds and the invuln save. They they might they like they can even trade up. And unlike like uh, the um, sisters, Repentia, they can actually trade up and still like survive, which is nuts. Obviously, they'll you know they're still very easy to kill, but they have a little bit more survivability than the Repentia do. They're just phenomenal fast units. The other thing I really loved about Dark Eldar, or I, maybe not loved, but the thing I noticed about Dark Eldar was the amount of vehicles and transports they brought to the table. Um, Raider spam is obviously the big thing right now. Why don't you talk us through, Skari, about uh, what that does for Dark Eldar? Because previously in other Dark Eldar lists um, in past editions, Dark Eldar definitely had like the vehicle MSU kind of deal, but they never had that quite that killiness that they do now on top of having the MSU vehicle spam. So what's different now and what can someone someone what can someone kind of expect from a heavy vehicle Dark Eldar list and what would that look like? Well any any good Dark Eldar list always relied on transports, right? Whether it's MSU transports or whatnot. However, the Venom was more prevalent simply because you had like a built in like minus one to be hit and 
the Splinter Cannons were quite good, plus that whole Dark Techno Monster thing, which is straight out of, uh, with the, the plus one to wound and things like that, before you could make, like, Venoms benefit from that rule. So you had, like, super cool two damage Splinter Cannons on Venoms. And I think one of the biggest changes changes is that um, Raiders became Toughness 6, which I think is a huge change already, instead of Toughness 5, which brings like it makes a big deal against things like Heavy Bolters and things like that. And secondly, the way that secondaries have changed, like with the change to Big Game Hunter, you know, there's really not much of a disincentivization to take like 6 Raiders. Whereas before, if you took like 6 Raiders or 5 Raiders, like you were giving up 10 big game hunter points because they were two points each and then all of a sudden they took that away they were one point each you could literally take 10 raiders and, or 10 venoms and it was one point each for big game hunter and that makes it so not only can you like spam that msu style build you can prevent your opponent from efficiently scoring secondary points against you so it's not just that you're getting like a good dark lance or a good gun with it and you can transport models it's the fact that you you know even if your opponent has to try and kill you, they're not they're not really getting much out of it in terms of like mission scoring points, which can then leave them at a disadvantage mid to late game when they're like trying to score points, but they have to kill the raiders because the raiders are killing them, but they're not getting enough out of killing the stuff like the raiders to to guarantee like points in winning or to get the guys out to kill the little units inside. Exactly. Yeah, it, it really just comes down to a, not a lot of armies uh, do have that kind of point efficiency to do precisely that. Kill the transport and kill the guys inside and, you know, in five turns and stop them from scoring. And I mean, Pablo, it's pretty reasonable for some of these transports to have three units in them. Yes. Because that transport 11 <laughs> yes. capacity means two five-man units and a character. Yeah. So it's hard to get rid of all of that. You have the perennial party buses, the party party raiders. We talked about Dark Eldar. We kind of talked about, you know, some builds you can see. I, I think we, as a listener base, we have a, a better idea of what they bring to the table. So let's talk about what exactly we can do to beat them. So what are some counters? So I'll, I'll be honest, uh, Skari, as someone who is an outsider looking in with not a lot of familiarity to Dark Eldar, I definitely see a lot of power there. It feels a little insurmountable. I'm um, just looking at like my Necron list and like how it matches up against the Dark Eldar list. Now, I think that my Necron list can has the ability to beat any list at any given time, provided luck and I play really well. I and I still feel that way. And that's not a that's not a like like a, to put me up and like that's not like a brag. That's just a fact. I feel like it's that good. And uh, that's what I that's the what I designed it to be, but I do have a hard time looking up looking at how that list would match up to Dark Eldar, and I think a lot of people are kind of feeling the same thing. They're looking at the witch um, and the the succubus and saying like, oh, this thing is just sixty points and has forty attacks. They're looking at Reaver jet bikes, and if my TO doesn't nerf them, all of a sudden they're overpowered. Uh, they're looking at all the models that Dark Eldar bring to the table. So this is a long lead up to this question. What are some weaknesses do you think Dark Eldar have that people aren't quite exploiting yet uh, in your experience? Because you have come on record and say that they, they are not perfect. They are flawed and they lose. They definitely lose games. They definitely are weak durability wise. 
Uh, so why don't you kind of just give us some sage advice about generally how how do we go about tackling Dark Eldar uh, for any faction? So the number one thing is pray they do not take you alive. Okay, crawl into a little ball and keep the last last shot for yourself. Just saying. You know, that'll... that'll. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think one of the, the things that people have to capitalize on is how aggressive Dark Eldar players are. I feel like you have to have a plan for when a Dark Eldar player gets in your face really, really soon. And you have to make them pay for it. So, you know, what I find is I find people um, or players tend to get, like, skewed when the pressure is on. When, like, the Dark Eldar player, like, gets in their face on turn one or turn two. And literally they have to deal with witches and raiders and all this stuff. And then they sort of, like, get overwhelmed and, like, you know, their their brain short circuits and they sort of, like, just give up. Whereas, you know, that's kind of where you want them to be, because the closer they are to you, the more your bolt pistols come in handy. And every single weapon you have at your disposal that can kill a, a witch is like, you know, a grenade, a frag grenade, a little pistol, or this or that, whatever it is. Like, you have to use every tool you have to just clear out the units. And the second thing is, a lot of people don't, like, tar- you know, um, focus their fire well enough in my opinion and when you're playing dark eldar if you if you have any experience playing the fact against the faction or with the faction you know that leaving dark eldar units or models with one model left or with one or two wounds left is like the worst thing you can do because even that one wound left model or you know one you know model left unit is going to come and be a pain in your butt for like the whole game until you deal with it and I think those are two main things. Focus your fire, make sure that what you shoot dies. And secondly, like have a plan for when the Dark Eldar get really aggressive and have good counter counter assault, counter push units that can essentially make them pay for getting so close into your face so quickly because their durability is so low that if you can start that war of attrition from turn one, by the end of turn five, you should be able to pull it around. Okay. Go ahead, Danny. Oh, I was going to say, like, knowing things, threat ranges, and what they can get to you is, like, is sort of important with Dark Eldar, but don't forget that they can pretty much cross the entire table and still get you. Because it's one, it's, it's it's one of, if not the fastest army in the game. Like, they have a lot of tricks, like, on turn one or turn two, depending on, like, what obsession they pick for their raiders. Um, it's pretty reasonable that they can move 22 inches and still assault you with a transport. So, like, just be aware of that kind of stuff. Like, if you want stuff on the front line, just be prepared for it to die. I mean, you know, you're, you, you think that against everybody, right? But, like, it's especially true against Dark Eldar. Um, so trying to demech them. I think as as fast as possible because they're vulnerable when they hit the ground. The boats are really the protection that they have in that army. So uh, if you can do that, you can buy yourself not only maybe some time, but also uh, expose the uh, the juicy innards of the tanks. I would totally right. I would totally agree with that. You need to have a plan to kill five to six transports, and because a lot of people haven't been taking 
a lot of rhinos or a lot of dune riders you know like you your list hasn't had to deal with that bef- like for a long time and dark eldar come back and go hey we've got all of the transports and everything inside is going to kill you like you need to have a plan for that yeah and and actually i actually was on record a long time ago when ninth edition first came out on chapter tactics i went on record and said that the satan void shroud for instance for necrons keep an eye on it people are sleeping on it uh everyone at the time was obsessed with the nightbringer and the reason being is because we don't know what we're getting out of admech yet we don't know what we're getting out of dark eldar and eldar yet and the meta could very quickly shift to light vehicle you know spam kind of style of metals where you need to be able to kill you know four or five i said venoms at the time but i really meant raiders because i you know i get the dark eldar units mixed up all the time so it was essentially a perfect prediction I'm joking, by the way. But, you know, we're definitely seeing that now. And you're not only going to have to get rid of Dark Eldar uh, Raiders, you're also going to have to kill Plague Burst Crawlers. You're going to have to kill Rhinos, Chimeras. Uh, you're going to have to be able to kill uh, the Flyers, the the, the, the Admech Flyers, the, you know, I forgot them. The various Anyways. different Raptors. Yes, yeah. or Orcs. You're going to have to be able to kill all the orc vehicles. All the trucks and the little the buggies. buggies that are really popular. Specifically the buggies and the mech guns, which have similar toughness values and wounds to things like Raiders and Venoms. And Harlequin, the Star Weavers. You're going to have to be able to kill all that. You're going to have to be able to deal with T6, you know, 3-up armor or 4-up armor save. Sometimes mostly an invuln save, you know, vehicles. And then you're going to have to be able to deal with the guys inside on top of that. Or gals. Um, so... Uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. 100%. Bring stuff that kills vehicles as efficiently as possible. You're not killing land raiders, uh, which is actually why I think knights are, are experiencing a bit of a, a resurgence. Um, because knights do deal with those light vehicles very well. And in a light vehicle meta, people bring stuff to kill vehicles. And that doesn't necessarily translate to being able to kill T8 knights with an invuln save, with a 4-up invuln save usually. Correct. Yeah, we actually saw a knight army take a win at a GT this weekend. Like literally, three big knights, four yeah. little yeah. knights. Oh yeah. You know oh I mean? yeah. Like so, they're out there, and there are direct counters. And I know, as a Dark Eldar player, I do not like seeing knights. They kill my. They kill my stuff very, very quickly. I didn't look at that list. Was it triple Magera? It was two Magera's and a warden, I believe. Okay. And two Helverins and two Warglaves. Interesting. To be honest, once you get past a certain point, once you get to the three knight threshold, it doesn't matter a ton what knights you bring. Like, obviously, if you bring, like, you know, a Chaos Knight with two of the Melta gun things, you know, it's going to be a little worse than, you know, the double Gatling gun Chaos Knight or whatever. But um, the Megara, you know, is solid. I don't think the Megara is leaps and bounds better than the other big shooty knights um but it definitely doesn't hurt uh and you're going to see you're going to start seeing a lot more specifically three just generic big knights and the little guys the moirexes that's going to become very popular those moirexes absolutely shred light transports and uh here's another question scary what how do dark eldar do going against ta like knight lists and stuff like that because looking at them on the surface they don't look like they match up well with those lists on paper besides being able to outscore them which obviously they can do 
So that's the thing about dark lances and any of the anti-tank weapons. A lot of them are strength eight. So it really comes down to the 50-50 I wound you. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what a lot of it comes down to with the big knights. So you can't really reliably do like, you know, consistent damage. But if it, if you do roll, like if you have a, a turn where you spike those rolls, like the dark lances will nuke some tanks because they just have like D3 plus three damage. So you're going in and just absolutely wrecking people with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some other ways that Dark Eldar play the missions that, like, a list can be? Like, for example, how do Dark Eldar look going into Horde metas? Because I do, I'm starting to see some rumblings online of people starting to try and build Hordes, try and just out-objective Dark Eldar. Um, how, what do you say to people who, who think that that avenue to beating Dark Eldar is viable? Um, just remember witches exist. So just don't forget, like, like witches will murder your horde. Like, I've had a unit of 10 witches. Like, they'll go in and kill 20 necromorphs in a single combat phase. Yeah, you know I mean, like, they are, they are no joke. So don't underestimate the, the witches. But witches, if you have hellions, like a, right? Like, yep. like, any of the witch cult stuff just blenders like any kind of light infantry. So you you definitely have to have like a thought process. You have to have it thought out before you kind of like, you know, just assume that it's going to work, right? And it's not like a bad thing. It's just something to keep in mind, you know, like make sure you have like I think a combination is best against Dark Eldar to be honest, because if you go too heavy into one thing, Dark Eldar you tend to have like a tool that can help them against your one thing quite efficiently and then they'll leverage it yeah for sure i mean like and they have so many tools just for like and not just for for close combat but also for shooting like scourges with uh shredders are are super viable and then you have even like the normal even the, even like the normal units that you wouldn't suspect would also be good in close combat also just have a lot of attacks and hit on two plus so or or they can later on in the game so even like the leftovers so to speak of units that have like gotten blown out of their transports and maybe shot once or something can still do can still kill quite a few models just just with a couple of guys left yeah so don't forget to just make sure to kill Every last model in the Dark Eldar unit. Like, don't leave <laughs> any of them alive. Like, I'm serious about that point. You can ask any of the people I practice with. If, if you know, as soon as you start leaving a raider with, like, a wound left here, and then you like, a a, a, a Cablite Warrior Squad with one model here, like, it, the game starts spiraling really fast out of control. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually something in Ninth... That's just a good overall ninth edition uh the ninth edition rule of thumb anyways is you have to be able to clean up spare units because that always inevitably happens you have to be able to kill like two dark angels company you know terminators or you have to be able to kill the leftovers of some necron scarabs or you have to be able to kill like two plague marines or you know some infiltrators in terrain that inevitably every ninth edition game i've seen so far has devolved into that if it's a close game and dark elder are absolutely if you're going to beat them it's not going to be a blowout 
I don't think you're ever going to actually be able to blow out Dark Eldar, at least right now where they're at. It's Every game is going to be bloody. You have to score a lot of points, and you're going to have to match them unit for unit uh, evenly. So, having said that, I think it is important to look at what units do have the capabilities to kill certain things and how much. Uh, for instance, if you have like two raiders on the board and you're up against Dark and those, those raiders are the only options for Dark Lances, um, I would be more aggressive with my vehicles because Dark Lances are, and Scarry can back me up on this, generally unreliable in small amounts. Um, they're like blasters. Yeah, and like the, the extra damage really helps, like the damage, yep. the D3 plus 3 damage. So that has really made them a lot more efficient than they were in the past. However, yes, they are still Dark Lances, which means they will miss and then they will not do damage. And I've had times where I have like six or seven Dark Lances, even Blackheart ones. You know, I know that you take Blackheart ones to make sure that they're like, quote unquote, more efficient, like legitimately just fail to hit or fail to wound. You know what I mean? And at that point, you might as well have had zero Dark Lances. So, you know, it's, it's like, don't be too, like, respect them, you know what I mean? But don't, don't, like, be frozen by the prospect of getting shot by them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, we did have a patron request uh, to kind of ask, uh, go over some core units that every faction has that can deal with Dark Eldar. Now, that's a tall order. Um, I'm not sure if we want to go through every kind of core unit or faction, um, but why don't we go through some general kind of styles of units that almost every faction has access to? Um, I think that's probably a lot better. Right, so the first thing I have uh, kind of in mind is, and actually this is a question for Skari slash, maybe a thing that's useful. How well do Dark Eldar do going into greater demon spam? So things like ton of T7 big bodies that can just, you know, lay waste to most things they touch. Uh, I'll let you go first there. Okay. How good do they do against greater demon spam? Is that the question? Yeah, or, or just just big T seven, you know, twenty wound models I think within bone saves. So, I, and I guess it depends on whether they're monsters or vehicles. Like, that's a pretty important distinction for Dark Eldar. Okay, because like, if they are monsters, then you have poison, and poison is on virtually uh. every single model in that army. So you wound on a four or a three if you're poison tongue. And granted, like, it's not the most efficient thing, but you know, if your regular bolter shots effectively are wounding like a toughness seven monster on a four plus, uh, like that that that's gonna do a bunch of that's gonna do some work at least to plink off a couple of wounds extra here and there. But like Scarry said, Dark Eldar have tools for everything. Like the Codex is really well. I, I mean, I don't want to say balanced, but it, like it's it's really well. Uh, it's it's it has a lot of different tools for a lot of different jobs, and so even like. Even if you're just picking a random assortment of units out of the codex, like there's like almost every single unit in that book is still really good, with like maybe the exception of the flyers. So you're gonna do okay against a list like that. You've got lots of multi damage shooting. Yeah, and vulnerable saves aren't the best, but you don't have it. You don't really have a great way to mitigate those anyway. They have. They can have a lot of shots. Um, I think. I think they. I think they match up just fine against that kind of thing. 
I would agree with what you said. I don't really have to add more to that. You know, I've played against, um, you know, the coach for Team Canada, Cody, who's, who basically was one of the pioneers of the Monster Mash-style Slanesh list. And even with the old Codex, like, he knew going into Dark Eldar was a pain in the butt for him. Because we have, like, fly, speed, fly around, lots of poison shots, you know, and uh, now it's even worse, considering yeah, right. most of the stuff... Most of the stuff is built around, you know, Slanesh and whatnot. And now Dark Eldar <laughs> have access to a lot of like fight last and a lot of, um, a lot of uh, always strike first in the in like Cult of Strife and will give Slanesh a run for their money at their own game. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then we'll put that in the <clears throat> if you kill their poison weapons and you have tough monsters category. Uh, you can kill their poison weapons and maybe deal with them. But what are some other general things that that, that can Dark Elder kind of have a hard time dealing with? Um, mortifiers, <laughs> like anything that has a million attacks and heavy bolters, like a mortifier, is terrifying. Plus, it's a vehicle, so my poison doesn't really work as well against it. Right, yeah. and they're all like e- efficient enough with a feel no pain that they change the math just enough to be annoying because you can spike those six up feel no pains <laughs> and then they won't die, which is okay. exactly what Dark Eldar do. But I'll tell you, like if I when I start, I'm starting to see a lot of these mortifier lists, like six mortifiers and you know like Arcoflagellants did really well at at the at one of the events, like on the second place list had to use arcoflagellants like anything that's like that just like cheap efficient lots of attacks in close combat and like not necessarily super expensive but can do damage at range and do damage up close you know like that's that's dangerous for dark yeah. elder player to face yeah absolutely okay i think you, i think you kind of have to go in the same direction that dark eldar do like and this is and that sounds like a weird statement to make but like Going to like MSU versus MSU means that you have some options and you can you can kind of play a trade game a little bit better than if you take like a Death Star unit because I think Dark Elder have a lot of really interesting ways to mitigate that stuff, especially with like the Ancient Evil Archon, and then they can just pile in as many close combat units as they want to against that unit and just literally wipe it off the table like nothing is too tough, doesn't matter uh, especially if you get charged by a bunch of Incubi and witches and that kind of stuff so. And you want to make your units like able to shoot, fight. If you have a bunch of different options, that's always going to help you. And like bullet hoses are pretty good. Um, you don't have to go Sylvester Stallone with the turn back hat or anything like that. But if you have like enough of those units, um, I think that you'll do very well. Okay. So on the topic of heavy bolter spam, is just the general, you know, high strength just enough AP to get you to invuln save damage to weapon that's just a really good salt like the auto cannon equivalents um is that just a really solid option for dealing with dark eldar uh yep i'm gonna yep. tell okay. you right now like we haven't seen auto cannons in the meta because you know there's so many things that are like minus one damage and all this stuff and i think that the the rise of dark eldar means that like if i have to face an army of just like auto cannons i like i'm not i'm terrified <laughs> like auto cannons okay. are auto cannons are really really dangerous for dark eldar to face okay you know, yeah like they also I, like one shot hellions and stuff too right yeah so. and or even jet bikes and like yep. all that stuff right so it's like the perfect type of weapon 
to deal with Dark Eldar. All right, absolutely. Is there anything else I'm missing that maybe other people don't have access to? Think like think like melee focused armies like um Tyranid, Gene Silicolt. Anything that Blood allows Angels. you to fight in death, <laughs> I think is very, very strong. Okay. So like for example, uh Gene Silicolt. I know Gene Silicolt are not like currently meta, but there's uh there's a Gene Silicolt um warlord trait or something like that that allows you to shoot or fight. Uh, on a four plus, and they have like hand flamers, right? Like the ability to take a bunch of like acolytes with hand flamers and say, "Yeah, you can charge all your witches in here, but everyone that dies on a four plus is going to flame you with a hand flamer," right? So you can do the trade a lot better in that case, right? Where it's like, okay, you can send your close combat stuff and you can kill me, or like uh, tyranid warriors with lash whips or bone swords, where they're like, they die, they get to fight you, right? So you can kind of, like, use a lot of these, or Grey Knights, like Paladins, that can, like, fight in death, you know what I mean? Like, this, that sort of mechanic, I think, will be very useful against a Dark Eldar-style army right now. Yep, totally agree with all that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. My mute, my mute button fine. decided not to work. <laughs> I was uh, spamming it. It's like, ah, I need to talk. But what was I going to say? Anyways, you're right. That was that was gonna be my agreement there. I love the idea of uh, fight fighting uh, on death being something that does, you know, help pick up Dark Eldar. And honestly, that's a good. That's another good rule of thumb for dealing with kind of weak things in general. Noise Marines are very good at that, being able to you know, pick up more than their value when they die. So, yeah, I th- I think that. Overall, with Dark Eldar, it sounds like you need to just, in general, be able to kill the vehicles, be able to manage their damage output in some way, whether that's zoning or bubble wrapping or killing important stuff. And then from there, just having units that can go toe-to-toe with them for board control. Sounds like the general idea of how to beat Dark Eldar. Is there anything I'm missing or am I wrong? No, I think I think that's the gist of it. You know, um, look, to be honest, right now, the, the meta is changing, it's shifting, it's adapting. So do yourself a favor and read through your codex again. And look at all those weird, like, warlord traits and relics and things like that that you might have just kind of overlooked before. And, you know, something might pop out at you being like, oh, that, that relic is really obscure and nobody really uses it. But against witches, that would be amazing. You know, and that's the kind of thing that's going to be quite handy now, like right mm-hmm. now. All right. Absolutely. Now, I, I think we're pretty much good. Is there anything else either of you wanted to add before we move on to the final part of the episode? Nope. Or Don't final despair. part of the main topic, excuse me. That's Pardon? the only thing I want to say. Don't despair. Okay. Like, yeah. Just like, just like it, it, the, the ebb and flow. We've had these conversations when like every other powerful faction has come. Uh, am I going to apologize for how good the Dark Eldar book is? No. I've literally played <laughs> them forever, and it's really nice that they can finally, like, kill stuff, and I feel like they're just nuts right now. Yes, that's good. I, I enjoy that. But I know that it's going to be, like, something that's not going to last forever either. So I'll enjoy it while it lasts, and then, I know, Admech will be the best, the, the strong for a bit or whatever. It's just you know, the, the nature of the game. 
Exactly, Scary. And I think that's super important to like to take home is that concept of like flux. This game is never like it's not it's not doesn't have like a solidified state for very long. Especially and granted, we've even had a slowdown in the amount of releases that we've had, but new stuff is coming out all the time. GW isn't gonna let this stuff if if it is like if it actually is like it does pan out to be broken and the numbers like the numbers bear weight to that. I mean, I think we're already on a good path if change needs to be affected. And I, 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 I have enough faith in the FAQ process that it, that it will get fact if it's actually broken. But like, people need a chance to, to switch things up. People need a chance to change. Scary's advice of looking in your book for weird choices that you wouldn't normally think of is absolutely Great. excellent. Yes. I agree. You know, it's the thing. Like, I and I recommend this when I'm, you know, when when I'm, you know, like giving advice on this building or whatever. Like, I'm always like, after your game or like, just a lot of the times, like we take things at face value of people who say this is good, this is bad, and we don't make up our own choices, right? And a lot of the game could is boiled down to, well, everybody says this is good, right? Or everybody says this is bad. Well, honestly, read the book for yourself. Like you'd, you'd be surprised at how many times I've been at an event or at a tournament, and I've played against you know Joe Blow, who's been playing his catechins for like a million years since second edition, and we show up to the table, and he rocks out this like weird relic warlord trait combination that like kicks my butt. And I'm like, I did not, I've never seen that in competitive play, but it is really good. Right? Yeah. And just been surprised by it. You know, you'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and remember, we aren't seeing that level of innovation uh, that we normally would because there's not a lot of events going on. There's entire regions in the world that, you know, people haven't played 40K in, in a while. Uh, so... I agree with that. You look at your codex, there's innovations constantly being made. Um, and if you have to make a big a bit of a concession to play something that maybe beats Dark Eldar, I would do it right now just because their play rate's not going down anytime soon, especially if you're planning on going to an event right now. Now, all right, whew, that is it. Uh, let's go ahead. Uh, actually, real quick, very end. Well, actually, we talked about this a little bit. So essentially, um, what do you think GW would do or should do uh, what do you think is a leveled, measured nerf if if they need a nerf uh, that you think GW should do? If they were listening like right now, and you could just recommend something. Well, um, I don't know. I think some stuff is going to get touched. I think probably the command point, the command points for patrols thing, is not great. I think that, i.e., not that the extra two command points that they get. If they started with twelve, like everybody else, that would be totally fine. The uh, the liquefier racks probably need to be looked at just dark technomancers needs to not be on the to hit roll if you're going to have weapons that auto hit that you can use it with either you can't use it with liquefiers or like or make, uh, make it on the tool roll yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah totally or one on the number of shots that'd be fine i think the succubus with the uh the razor flails will probably get touched on it doesn't seem like that's supposed to be how it works but if it gets facts it's whatever the other one is better anyway. The precision blows and the trip tech whip one is uh, is very very good. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't 
have a ton of problems with the book, I think. I'm probably forgetting something, but what do you think, Scary? Ready? No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> and I'm done. This? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I want a couple of clarifications for like what their intent was with specific rules. You know, like um, you know, uh, some of the real space raid detachment stuff, some of the ways that they intended or didn't intend to like allow Dark Eldar players to sort of mix and match obsessions and yes. whatnot, like in, in detachments and things like that. I think there's like those sorts of things that I feel would benefit from getting, you know, like clarifies. Um and then as for FAQs, like I think, yeah, like clarification for the razor flail specifically, not necessarily like competitive edge, but just like how the interaction is supposed to be with uh, razor yeah. flails. And if it was intended, then okay. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised even if GW's like, you know, just wait for, you know, wait for uh, the Yadmech stuff. You know, then make up your mind after. You know what I mean? Like, they've they've had a history of overcompensating for meta changes and then making stuff, like, almost unplayable. See, like, post-Inari FAQs where... Like Dark Reapers became like non-existent, and Eldar like got overinflated, overinflated in terms of points. So I wouldn't be surprised either, even if they were like, "Well, let's kind of write it out for a little bit and see kind of what happens." Right? Um, now, if they did that, then I could see the community being a little bit like outraged. Um, how? But uh, like, honestly. Put some more screens into your list. Put some more stuff that can deal with like raiders into your list, and learn how to deploy against uh, Dark Eldar, right? And then and and has have a plan for when they come at you fast, basically. Can I say one thing about that? Like I agree with no. almost everything that you said. Uh, I I'm not sure that I agree that like having one army be the like the silver bullet to another army is a good like game balance like mechanic but i i hear you like like it does change the meta and if there's several armies that kind of limit the power of jukari in that way i think that's fine and i definitely definitely do not want to see them get nerfed into oblivion or anything like that like it's okay for elves to have good stuff sometimes although you would find a lot of dissenting opinions to that to that comment <laughs> yeah a hundred percent, and like, and that's that whole rock paper scissors thing is a very popular, um, you know, polarizing sort of like sentiment, sure. right? Just because you never really like you, it's it's rock paper scissors, right? It's very, you know, you either love it or you hate it, right? Um, well, it depends if you're rock or scissors. <laughs> correct. Are you rock? Are you paper? Or or are you scissors? Um, and. I think that, the, that, but the thing is, even now you go to the events that like Dark Eldar one, and like the top ten at all these places are like such a varied hodgepodge of different armies. So it's not like the game is like all of a sudden imbalanced because of the fact that Dark Eldar exists, right? Like it's oh yeah, top eights are super diverse, yeah, right? It's like, like they're, they're very they're, diverse. Yeah. Like there's yeah. lots of different things you're seeing. It's just like right now the win rate for Dark Eldar is is quite skewed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that's mostly a lag in terms of everybody's been teching, as we said, for Space Marines, and you haven't been putting in your anti-Eldar tech for so long because you haven't had to deal with Eldar. I, I will add one thing to this, um, and it is a little bit contrarian in that 
and oftentimes when it comes to this kind of stuff, it is less about the hard logic and the the kind of the win ratios and the numbers and more about optics uh right now there is I, I agree with you i think that it is very diverse there are some factions that definitely need a lot of help uh and we're not at the level where i i can confidently say we're in a golden age where everything is is going to be diverse just because not every faction has gotten their codex yet but the way people view the meta right now is unfortunately how people are going to think of ninth edition so everything going happening in ninth edition right now is going to have an effect on the future of 40k it's just like an eighth edition when i said space marines are really good my main argument for why ygw needed to take a stance and nerf them wasn't because they were necessarily overpowered um because besides iron hands the majority of the space marine supplements were just really really good um but not so good that they were they needed to be wholesale uh, nerfed but the optics around space marines being really good affected eighth edition and is still affecting the game of 40k right now as i predicted people still think space marines are the cream of the crop the best uh, army um if you go online if you go on comment sections and all that stuff they're they're probably i would imagine they'd make the average person's like top tier list pretty consistently um even though they're not at that level anymore they're still really good space marines are still not saying they're bad uh, but they're probably overrated by the general community, and I would imagine that is solely because of their performance right at the end of eighth edition. Now, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so we we have to be careful. Uh, specifically, GW has to be careful with how they present codexes, and we as uh, content creators also need to be careful about how we talk about this kind of stuff. We have to balance between sensationalism and also genuine concern, which is, I think we're doing a really good job of this episode. Uh, we're saying they're really good. They're beatable. There's no cause for concern, but definitely keep your eye on what's going on. And we do have to wait for every codex to release before we get a final, a final read on everything. All right. Soapbox over. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the patron questions. We're going a little long here. So if you're new to the of the podcast, every episode, at the end of every episode, we like to open the floor to the patrons. The patrons get to ask us questions and we answer live on the air on every episode. Uh, and if you'd like to be a part of that and be a part of our awesome Patreon community, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and do whatever you want or nothing. That's totally okay as well. Uh, but on to the Patreon questions. First comes from patron Nathan. I'm curious how much of them winning Dark Eldar is them just countering some of the current dominant lists in 9th edition, or maybe the meta will start moving towards more horde armies, which I think Jakari have a harder time in going into like the 120 Poxwalkers, Necron Warrior Blobs, etc. So, uh, Scar, you did you did kind of allude to this, so I'm going to let you kind of give a definitive answer to this. How much of them is winning because they're countering the current meta dominant lists, or how much is the winning just because they're just that good? I want to say it's like 50-50. And I think, to be honest, I think it's mostly because Dark Eldar play to the missions really, really well. So I honestly feel that that's like the main thing. Like, Dark Eldar plays so well to the missions that they can beat even like top meta lists um, without really like much thought and and then the other part of it is because they just can kill stuff finally so they've got like good they can deal with armor they can deal with tanks they can deal with infantry they can deal with like most of the stuff that we're seeing in the meta 
right now. So they're like a, almost a direct meta counter. Um, and they could play the missions. It's like a it's like a perfect sort of like mix almost. That's okay. my answer. Nice. Um all right, uh next comes from patron Nick. Okay, that was not a question, Nick. That was my bad. Patron Kelsey wants to know, uh, my question is for Pablo. As someone who was shoutcasted this weekend, what direction do you think the meta is heading? Drukari didn't sweep the weekend, so did some tournaments tech better or was it luck? Um, so I actually kind of responded to this a little bit in the in the chat itself, uh, but um, I, I would like to expand on that. And basically, um, I think the meta is heading in a in a kind of rock paper scissors style meta um you have these these lists popping out like these um these big like monster lists uh big model lists they're kind of they are kind of taking the board and I actually put like dark angels elite terminators like like the elite style list. i put them in that kind of category the like low unit count durable we're gonna dominate two objectives and maybe a third and beat you that way kind of style list i see those lists i see these hyper fast mobile offensive lists like blood angels white scars sisters and uh dark eldar now in that mix as well harlequins to an extent and then uh, i see like horde lists like necrons are probably the best example um and i think we're probably going to see even more horde like durable lists that just kind of focus on scoring points and surviving i don't know how rock paper scissors they are towards each other so i don't i don't think it's going to be that cookie cutter but i see everyone kind of going into one of those archetypes and that's where i see the meta going right now um and i actually like the idea of that meta the way it sounds and then yeah i think dark eldar winning not sweeping this weekend was just a combination of of like the players playing and and luck although i will stand by i predicted bradchester to win the motor city mayhem uh day one of the motor city mayhem the tournament that i shoutcasted for those of you don't know bradchester is a phenomenal 40k player he's been around a very long time he eldar are kind of his bread and butter um dark eldar not discluded in that and bradchester is also a perennial american team world team championships player um you know he's top eight at lvo he's a really good player and so I predicted that a really good player with a really good list like Dark Eldar, especially a new faction like Dark Eldar, absolutely is the favorite to win that tournament. And he won. He won in pretty convincing fashion, too. So I think that player skill with Dark Eldar is definitely going to be the the razor killer edge. And I don't know if that's going to s- continue to be a trend, um, but that just proved that Dark Eldar are really good. Uh, but they're not... I mean, they're not you know blowing up everyone because there's still luck and player skill involved so anyways that was a lot of talking uh, <laughs> uh danny and scary do you agree disagree with what the med- direction the meta is heading uh i think now that we're starting to see more events happen right now we're really going to start seeing like the mathematics and the like the thinking and the building lists and like being creative like all the repercussions of like what the meta is supposed to look like i think more than ever at least during the pandemic we're going to start really seeing that impact right now and i think that's a good thing at the same time i feel like the last two years almost or since the since the since the edition was released we haven't been able to experience the meta like we've all experienced like our own little version of the meta. Maybe we've seen some like wacky lists or whatever. So like go into some sort of like tabletop simulator style stuff or whatever, right? Where you, you kind of like have like a, a version of the meta, quote unquote, but it's never really the meta, the meta, because you can literally 
like play with any models and you don't really have to own them or build them or paint them or anything whereas like you go to an actual tournament and there's a lot of limiting factors to what you see in the meta what lists are good what people can build or collect you know or transport and travel with you know that sort of thing so you know now we're going to really start seeing what the meta looks like i think i think that's going to give us a better understanding of what this edition was envisioned to be in that sense i agree with that uh pretty much i think it's i think it's hard to put your finger on exactly what's going to be amazing and what's not just because it's constantly shifting we're getting new releases like keep in mind we really only have like five real army books that have been released and half of them are well there's been eight total books released this edition right but but five of them are space marine books and that's kind of to me that's mostly one army i know that they all play differently but that's it's it's effectively the same defensive stats and so like trying to judge what the edition is going to look like uh in even like 3 months is pretty difficult. So I think it's going to be hard to hard to say exactly what it's going to be looking like. I hope that it kind of maybe normalizes a little bit more and is doesn't skew so hard to elite infantry. Obviously we want to see like these well-rounded, you know, sort of quote-unquote white dwarf style armies with you know like uh this army's got you know mechanized infantry army we want to see and we have that in dark eldar now which we did which we have not had a release of that in this edition uh, any kind of mechanized army and they truly are it'd be nice to see some more vehicle heavy armies of course but vehicles are just not good right now not in a good place unless you're really cheap but like yeah some and maybe some horde armies so orcs probably look like they're coming out on the horizon pretty soon so I'm very excited to see what that looks like, because um, that is a true horde army, of course. So I guess Hello? we'll see. I think the yeah, the mute, you're, you're good. You're good. Your mute button okay. seems to have died again. Okay, I think it's well, stuck, great. Pablo. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I think there's some. They're, we're having a little bit of internet issues here over here, but um, okay. Moving on to the next patron question. Uh, Patron Tim wants to know: Were this was this weekend's results just attenuated through the Looking Glass? That is COVID and lack of games played ninth, or is this a shift in the meta overall because a new powerful book is here? Also, with lists that plays very similarly, different. We already talked about that. So, basically, uh, the shift in the meta that we're seeing is it more Drukari or is it more just kind of like we don't know because there's not enough games being played. I mean, there's there's a lot of games being played right now, right? So that's true. I, I don't really think that that's like necessarily a limiting factor. I think people are probably still kind of rusty, though. I know that I've been shaking off the rust here as I try and get in game in person a little bit more as opposed to playing on TTS. Which is a wholly different set of skills, right? I I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, there's... I, I think some of it is, is a new meta. I think some of it is... I mean, because again, we're looking at you know, a 25% increase in the number of books that are available. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to wait and see. It could be a new meta. I think you have to account for Drukari now. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Drukari alike. Yeah. And that rusty thing, by the way, totally agree with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, what, most people go to tournament being like, I'd forgotten how tough it was to stand up for three hours for three different times in one weekend. You know, like, yeah, like, don't you remember? That's like what you used to do every weekend. <laughs> so that's definitely, 
it's definitely going to make have an impact. Now, uh, we, here we have some couple more questions that we kind of already answered. Kind of already answered uh, in the the podcast. Although I do want to give a shout out to Bob, patron Bobby M, for uh, attending his first event ever, which was actually a thirty-two person RTT, which is actually a massive wow. RTT. That's <laughs> that is a uh, big. Um, and he ended up going one, one, and one. So he got the best of all the worlds, the perfect middle pack player. The only only better record is a two two and two record at a six at a major. <laughs> nice. All right, um, patron John. Well, actually, this uh, this guy here, Danny, you might have heard of him, oh. Jonathan. Oh, was it my John? <laughs> yeah, this guy's asking these lame questions. Um, actually, it's a pretty good question. So, what's the panel's opinion that each codex release is forcing all armies to frequently update and change, rather than one book being OP? Can you rephrase that question for me? Um, so, so essentially, I, I believe what he's asking is um, each codex release is forcing all armies to frequently update and change. I think he's asking us what we think about the GW releasing an, a codex uh, and it being powerful. Actually, you know what? I don't know this question. I think what he's asking here, Pablo, is he's asking whether or not people like like this codex being overpowered is a result of people just not being prepared for it and like changing their armies to be able to fight against it or if it's actually an overpowered codex kind of like other codexes when they really seemed really good comparatively but maybe weren't as good that that's what i got out of it but i was having a really hard time phrasing it out loud <laughs> it's it's all it's almost like we had a psychic connection like we we're yeah. just like orcas just you know ah, you know across across <laughs> the states at each other so i understood it on a on a primal level but not a when I start speaking it. Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, well, back at you, Scary and Danny. Um, well, I what feel are, like we've is... answered this question a few times. This, this, like you know, it's like a combination of things. I feel mm-hmm. like Dark Eldar are really good. They're very, they're efficient. They have like the tools for everything. But I think the reason that they're doing so so well is because nobody has been teching for Eldar at all for the last like three years. Yeah, I think I think that um I think that you're right to an extent. Um I think that there are certain armies that were already kind of set up to succeed against Dark Eldar that didn't that kind of underperformed against them a little bit. I'm looking at things like like Admech, Sisters. We didn't see we, we saw obviously strong showing from Admech, um but we didn't see the kind of dominance that you'd expect from a list that you kind of expect to beat Dark Eldar. Um, so that kind of, and, and you're right, Scar, we did talk about this, so I'm, I'm going to not expand too much more on this, but that kind of gives me the idea that um, I think it is just being the Dark Elder book being really good, but, uh, you know, who knows? Um, I, I have yet to see an army that is like a true flash in the, spark in the pan army, flash in the pan army, that just absolutely, when it comes out, no one, actually, that's not true. Um, Admech, when they first came out, like back in 7th edition, absolutely wrecked people for no reason because no one knew what they did at all are you talking about are you talking about like um the crazy i've got like a thousand points with the free upgrades advoc yeah well (laughs) even before the war convocation right like Ah, i remember that's the thing that's the i blocked it out from my mind okay (laughs) well um i there's a really famous quote uh by nick Nadavati on this podcast uh where basically He's playing Matt Root. Matt Root went on the big, you know, the big Admech, you know, stream with his gigantic 
orc admec like converted list who's doing really well with one night to the championship with it um but uh nick Navadi played uh matt root at adepticon years and years ago and i remember it was either an interview or he was talking about this game afterwards that he lost to to matt root and he was like yeah you know i kind of like when matt was explaining what his army did i kind of like blanked out at t3 with a four up save and didn't know what they did otherwise because you know they had so many rules um and that's just so funny i just love that quote personally but um yeah i i don't think it's that so much uh as it is the yeah it's just really good but we'll see we'll see if in a month dark eldar are just awful with a you know back to their their uh late eighth edition form, or actually back to their seventh edition form no please no <laughs> you know then, then we'll know that it was it was not the codex it was the it was the meta it was the meta all along <laughs> all right that is it everyone this is the end of the episode thank you so much danny and scary for coming on and if they want to hear more from you scary where can they find you oh, you can find me everywhere because i've literally been on almost every single podcast so i'm not going to bore them with where they can find me okay mm-hmm. thanks for listening everybody <laughs> and then Danny, uh, Danny, uh, you've been on a couple times now. So for those of the people who maybe haven't heard you yet, uh, where can they find you? Well, if for some reason you would want to listen to me again, you can find uh, my co-host John and I, who asked that awesome question earlier, uh, which was in indecipherable, <laughs> <laughs> on our podcast Mob Rules, uh, which we uh, we come out with uh, every other week. Um, we also do some codex reviews, um, and you can find us along with all the other members of the Rogue Trader Network uh, wherever medium level podcasts can be found. All right, perfect. Thank you all so much for listening. You are the best listeners in the world. Don't forget to subscribe, send us a like, comment. It helps with the algorithms, and it's completely free and it helps the podcast. And as always, have a good one. <laughs>